Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to John chapter 16 and reading for our text, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. John 16, verse 13, and specifically, it is the words, He will guide you into all truth. It is our guide into all truth provided by God. The Holy Spirit is to be our guide. Now, on to begin in a way with asking four questions and asking them of myself but of you, my hearers. Firstly, do you want to know the truth? The truth is that reality as perceived by God. Today, absolute truth is something that many people will deny and our young people are not thinking that there is any absolute truth but there is God who made the world and formed all that is in it who has given the law who has decreed everything that is and shall be he knows what is reality he knows what is the truth and what we need to know is how he views it what is the truth and so the question is do you do i want to know the truth the second thing is are you am i willing to receive that truth even if it is not what we want to hear, even if it is not what we like to hear. Especially this is when it concerns ourselves, our sinnership, we like to hear things that speak good of us but not that shows us where we have gone wrong or our sin. One of our hymns, hymn 710, speaks of this, nor are men willing to have the truth told. The truth, this sight is too killing for pride to behold. Another question, do we honestly want to know the truth and will we receive it even if it is hard for us and speaks against us. You know, sometimes I've thought of those that have had illnesses, those who've gone to doctors, physicians to know their condition and, and, and what the prospects are for them. And 
the thought is that, well, that they want to know the truth. They want to know what really is wrong with them. But I've found over the years that doctors are very in a very difficult position because many people will say they want to know the truth, but really they don't. And a doctor has got to kind of work out whether that patient really can stand the truth, whether they want it, whether they can really tell them everything that they know about them or whether they've got to just try and keep them on positive and looking upward as it were in a positive way even though the doctor knows that things are not good at all and it is something with us even in a natural level like that that we may profess we want to know the truth but really don't. And sometimes children can be like that as well. They want to know the truth, but when they're told it, they're really not old enough to handle it, to cope with the truth. And the parent might discern that as well. And we think of our Lord saying, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. He had viewed the disciples that were things, truths, that they couldn't really receive at that time, but later on they would. And so it is a question with us, how much are we really prepared to receive from God how he sees us and what really is the truth, or whether we deep down want to just bury our head in the sand, hope everything will be all right, Go on as we are and never listen to any warning that perhaps it is not right and we are not going to heaven. We are not safe. We are not saved. We are not a believer. Are we really ready to receive such tidings or such truth? The third question is this, where are we looking for the truth? Where are we looking for it? Are we looking for it just in our own heart? Are we looking for it in books? Are we looking for it from men from the internet? Are we looking for it from ministers? Where, where are our eyes? Where do we go for that truth? And if we were as God to view our lives or as a worldly way of saying a fly on the wall, what would we see of our lives? Would God say, looking upon us, this is a person that is looking for the truth. This is a person that wants to know the truth. They're ready to receive it even if it speaks against them and they're actively looking for it. But where are we looking for it? And the fourth question is this. Do you, do I ask? Ask God in prayer to guide us into the truth. 
Do we ask God? If truth is as perceived by God, reality perceived by God, are we asking him? Lord, tell me the truth. Show me the truth. Reveal the truth to me. Does it ever feature in our prayers that this is something that we are asking God for? Because in our text we have a promise that God himself in the Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth. He doesn't just say, tell us the truth, but guide us into it. And in that you get the idea, like a child at school, and we think of many things that could be told them, but they're guided into learning, into truths. Sadly, of course, some things taught at school are not true. But the idea is that they're taught, as the scriptures say, line upon line, here a little and there a little, first taught to read, then to write, then basic sums, then more advanced sums, and it progresses through the school. But at each stage, what a beautiful thing it is when you can see a child that wants to know, wants to learn, realise they don't know, and they're looking to where they can find these things out. It is a blessing to have a teachable spirit, a spirit that is not a know-all, but feels to know nothing and wants to know more, wants to know the real truth, and has an appetite, has a desire, has a willingness, a teachable spirit, willing to be guided, willing to be directed. Even in a natural way, there are many, especially amongst the young, that are not willing to be told, not willing to be guided, not willing to be instructed at all. But are we, and do we ask for God to be our guide? We should ask ourselves these questions and ask ourselves, how does God see us? How does he perceive us in this matter of seeking the truth and being guided into the truth? Well, I want then to look this morning at three points. Firstly, the guide. In our text, we read this. He, the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you. Our guide is the spirit of truth or as it is set forth, uh, in verse 7, the Comforter, it is the same Holy Spirit. Now, firstly, the guide. Secondly, the promise. There is a promise there. He will guide you into 
all truth. There's a promise of this. It goes on further in verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive it mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit is promised by our Lord. But then thirdly, the fulfilling of that promise. If that promise is fulfilled in us and our prayers are answered and the Spirit is guiding us into the truth, what will that look like? How we know, how can we give thanks that the Lord is guiding us. We have been given this guide. We have this guide. So firstly, the guide himself. He, the spirit of truth. The third person in the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. These three, one and the third person is the Holy Spirit. In the uh, eighth verse, we read, When he is come. In each of these verses, our text, and this verse eight, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as a person. He is come. We should never think of the Holy Spirit as an emanation from the Father or the Son, just a power, just a, a feeling that goes forth or a ray of light or understanding that is given. What is spoken of here can only apply to an actual person. We know that God is a spirit. We cannot see him. He fills all things. He is eternal. And that belongs to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. You should never think because our text says that when he is come, as if the Holy Spirit did not exist before we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, before Abraham was, I am, he is the eternal Son of God, but he is to come, come into the world. He has come into the world, Emmanuel, God with us. There was a time when the eternal Son took on him flesh, made like unto his brethren, sin accepted, took upon him the form of a servant, became obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. And there was a time as well when the Holy Spirit worked through the prophets, worked through those of old as Moses and David, Samuel, Elijah. But then the time that he was to be poured out and to come at Pentecost and to be then powerfully in the church of God, directly revealing the things of God, the truths of God. 
and he is then a person. And we have things said of him that can only apply to a person. We have the solemn account of Ananias and Sapphira here in the early church when many were selling lands and giving to the church. They coveted the money from their land, said that they sold it for so much, when in actual fact they sold it for twice as much, and uh, they lied to the Holy Ghost. Well, you can't lie to an emanation, just a, a feeling, a power, uh, something that proceeds uh, but is not a person. And so, again, uh, the Holy Spirit, he uh, can be lied unto. Paul warns, in his epistle to the Ephesians, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, he can be grieved. And again, it's a person that can be grieved. Paul, when he writes to the Romans, speaks of him as that he loves. And then when he writes to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians and chapter 12, we read from verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And right through the passage there, it is speaking of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the things that he does and the gifts that he gives. All these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And it is then the spirit which is a person that is doing all of these things, all of these gifts in the church of God. One is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds or different tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these worketh that one and self-same Spirit. For by one Spirit are we all baptised into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've been all made to drink into one Spirit. And it is this same Holy Spirit of God. We read in verse 3 of that chapter that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. It's absolutely vital that it is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, who is our guide and to show us the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three special works revealed in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is the author of. The first one is the inspiration of 
of the word of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let his spirit breathe. The Old Testament was, the New Testament was. Those revelations given to the Apostle Paul specifically, those letters that were written down, that which comprised the word of God to us now, we receive it as the work of the Holy Spirit, the inspired word, a book of books, no other book that is like it because its author is the Holy Spirit. The second great work is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world. We read of this in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 where the angel appears to Mary and says that she shall bear a son and shall call his name Jesus and Mary asked the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so the great mystery of the Incarnation is through the Holy Ghost. Great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. The third, and this is really the substance of our text and message here this morning, is the work of grace in a sinner's heart, beginning with the new birth. In John chapter 3, we have in verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now the Lord says in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And it insists that except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It must be. It must be the Spirit's work. It must be God's work. And so, right on through the life of a Christian, once they are born again, all that they know, all that they are taught, it must be through the Holy Spirit. So those are the three great works, the inspiration of the Word of God, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the work of grace in the sinner's heart from the new birth right through their lives. And here then is the promise that this guide, this Holy Spirit, he shall be the guide of the people of God into the truth. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, 
he will guide you into all truth. But I want to then look secondly at the promise. Here is a promise from God. We know the Holy Spirit himself was a promise. They were to tarry at Jerusalem until they received power from on high. They were to wait for that promise. I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter which shall abide with you forever. The Lord said that was the reason why he must go away. I must needs go away, else the Holy Comforter, which you shall receive from the Father, will not come unto you. Verse 7 in this chapter. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Here is our Lord telling the truth to his disciples to us. It is expedient, it is necessary for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. There is the promise of the Holy Spirit being sent. And they had to wait until he came, until that power descended at Pentecost, evidenced by the tongues of fire, evidenced by uh, the uh, speaking in languages that people had not been trained into, and those of other nations that were in Jerusalem at that time understood those languages. And not only were they speaking in another language, they were speaking the wonderful works of God. It was the subject that they were speaking as well. You know how vital it is in the translation of the scriptures and sending out the word of God by missionaries right through the world that we not only have men and women that are skilled in another language, but they are also godly men and women. They have grace and that they use their knowledge of the another language to speak the wonderful works of God. That is vital. There are many in a secular world with no knowledge of the Lord whatsoever that may be very fluent in another language, but they could not speak the truths of God. They could not because they are not called and they don't know. But at that day of Pentecost, we had those two things that were together to evidence then we have also the boldness of Peter and the other apostles to be able to really preach and set forth the word without fear of man. The difference between Peter denying his Lord and Master, the uh, difference between him uh, before and after the Holy Spirit came is, is very marked. Uh, and with all of the uh, apostles, the power, the conversion of thousands. Uh, and we so need today the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that there might be again conversions, again men, women, children uh, converted unto the Lord, saved through the preaching of the word. But that promise was uh, given and we have a record in the word of God of it being fulfilled. But it is the promise then here that there shall be 
uh, teaching. There shall be that instruction. He will guide you. So the first part of that promise is that he will guide you into all truth. Be a guide. We're used to having guides, tour guides. The other day up in London, you could see groups of people and there'd be one person in the group that had been speaking to them and telling them about the sights of London. He was their guide. He was taking from them from one site to another site and explaining what they were seeing and what uh, the history was of that place. We know what it is to have the ships that come to our shores from other nations. Their captains might be uh, not familiar at all of our waters, but they sent out a pilot to guide them uh, into the harbour safely. We have many systems, the sat-nav systems, and all the time is, is satellite guidance systems. The idea is that when you don't know the way, there's some other person or means or mechanical, electronic means that is a guide. We follow after that guide. We trust that guide. We don't know the way. They know the way. And all we do is to follow. And this is the idea of this promise that is, is given of the guide. When Paul then uh, writes to the uh, Corinthians and he uh, speaks to them in his first letter, he says to them that he speaks to them uh, the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But... God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Here is the guide and the promise that he that knows the things of God that he shall reveal them he shall guide the people of God into those and so he goes on now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God why he gives the reason that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God and he speaks of that which he speaks of, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, the word of God with the word of God, and showing them to the people. And so it is this promise that the Lord has given in the previous chapters in John, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, 
Lord gives the promise there, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And again, we have this promise of what the Holy Spirit should do. In John chapter 6, we have another uh, referring back to the promises that were given in the Old Testament. In, and in verse 45, we read, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. That is the promise that they shall not teach every man his neighbour, saying, Know the Lord, they shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. And so we may ask ourselves then, having these promises, having this revealed to us in the word that we need this spirit of truth, we need him to guide us, to direct us, what do we do with these promises? In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, we read of those who died in faith, and this concerns the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, not having received the promises, that is, they did not see the Lord Jesus Christ come in the flesh, but having seen those promises afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And the point is this, they had a promise and they embraced that promise. How do we react to the promises of God? Do we read the promise and we think, that is just what I want. That is a promise that I am going to plead, that I am going to look for being realised and to be a recipient of that this is a promise of God, and we know all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. This is a promise that I need. And so we embrace that promise. We take it to ourselves. We act upon that promise. And how would we act upon that promise but to make it a matter of prayer. We pray for the Spirit. We pray for the teaching, the guiding of the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel according to Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, we have our Lord, or if we go back to verse 9, he is teaching and he is saying, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And he gives the picture of us that are fathers. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks, shall ask an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? And then he closes with this verse, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more 
Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now some might say, well, we can't ask for the Holy Spirit until we're given the Holy Spirit. Well, this verse answers that. We are to ask for the Holy Spirit. And especially when we have the promise here, may it be that when we feel our ignorance, when we want the truth of God, we want to know it, whether it hurts us or not, we want to be right for eternity, we want to be saved, we want to be guided into not just some of the truth, but all truth. That is what the promise is. Not just some truth, but all truth. All that is necessary for salvation. There's many things in the Word of God, again, inspired Word of God by the Holy Spirit, that are left out. An inquisitive man, he'd like to fill in the gaps. He might go to Josephus or some secular writings to try and fill in the gaps. But God has kindly said, if it's not in my word, you don't need it for salvation. You don't need to trouble yourself and burden yourself with it. That that which is written, you know, John, he says, many things the Lord did that are not written in these this book, but... These things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that in believing ye might have life through his name. So may when we have these promises, may that be part of our prayer. I feel and I, I, I say it to my own shame, we, we try and ascribe benefits to ourselves. We try to, try to get the wisdom ourselves. We think that we can just just study and get it, not the study's wrong. We think that some efforts of ourselves, we overlook the supernatural, the power, the work of God, the teaching, the guiding of God. And how much do we then really pray for the Spirit? Pray for the Spirit. Give us a spiritual mind and to... Work this work that is promised here, which really will bring every blessing to us as one truth after another is opened up, is revealed to us as we're guided into it, to be filled with truth, to know the truth. The Lord said uh, that to those disciples that believed on him, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So I want to look then at the fulfilling of the promise. How will it look in the fulfillment? Well, in our text it begins with how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Well, the first fulfilling, as we've already said, is at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given. The next uh, way that this spirit is and this promise is fulfilled is when the Holy Spirit is given sovereignly in the new birth. I pass by thee when thou art in thy blood, and when thou art in thy blood, I bid thee live. When there is the opening of the eyes, the giving of the new birth, regeneration, and a teachable spirit given, we think of that which is spoken of to all of the churches, the seven churches in Asia, he which hath an ear, let him hear 
what the Spirit saith unto the churches, which immediately tells us that ear is given by God. It is the work of the Spirit to give that hearing ear and a teachable ear. It also tells us that the Spirit speaks through the churches. He speaks through the preaching of the Word. That is where he will guide the people of God into the truth. We need a teaching ministry. You need a ministry that preaches the Word. That's our commission. Preach the Word, instant in season and out of season. And that is what the apostles did when the Holy Spirit was given. They had to tarry and wait, and then they were to go forth and to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That is our commission. And the promise is that the Holy Spirit will bless that word that is preached. The lifting up of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ now remember here, one of those things that is the office and work of the Holy Spirit, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Now Paul says, he determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, there is the statement, the truth is in Jesus and so in the preaching of the word, it is that the Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up as the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is not your work, my work, it's what Christ has done at Calvary. And it is a belief in that, a trusting solely in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done upon Calvary's tree. Without that, we shall perish eternally. Or while we believe that by our own good works we shall be saved, we will be lost. But it is the Holy Spirit of God which shall receive of the things of Jesus and show them to us. Magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever the Holy Spirit is guiding, it won't be the Spirit that's in prominence. It will be Christ. Christ will be precious, Christ will be preached, Christ will be lifted up. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, that sitteth at the right hand of the throne of God on high. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that has fulfilled the law, made it honourable, satisfied the debt of his people, made atonement for their sin, and brought in an everlasting righteousness. And it is set forth that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but should have eternal life. And it is this truth that is vital that the Holy Spirit guide us into, that we know this truth in our hearts, embrace it, hang on to it, trust in it, and look to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. So we think another way that is fulfilled 
because the apostle went forth, they went forth preaching. We read of that in Acts. Acts is now the part of the inspired word of God. We read the letters as we've had and spoke to you from the letters to the Corinthians and Ephesians and the other letters also becoming part of the inspired word of God. It is through the New Testament that then this guide guides the people into truth. So if you and I are praying that the Spirit would guide us into the truth, we must be those that read and study the Word of God and are asking the Lord to open our eyes. The Old Testament saints ask like this, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. They prayed like that. How much more should we? And we should be doing like the Bereans were doing when Paul preached. The Bereans searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. Therefore many of them believed. The Holy Spirit blessing their reading and searching of the word of God and opening it to their understanding. It's a good thing to pray. Order my footsteps in thy word. Guide where I shall read, what I should read. Maybe going a step and stone through the word of God from one portion that leads us to another portion. A good reference Bible is a good way to start in that way. But the Lord using the word of God. We're not to just think, well, we're just going to pray for the guidance of the Spirit but we're not going to attend the means of grace. We're not going to attend the preaching of the word. Where We're not going to read our Bible. We're not going to study the word of God. We, we, we just want God to, to just to give it into our hearts. But the Lord uses means and the scriptures are the inspired word of God. And this is why we said as in John 8, what our Lord distinctly said to those that believed on him, if ye continue in my word, ye shall be my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it is through the scriptures that the word, the promise, is fulfilled, and it is through the preaching, the reading of the word, the work of the Spirit on that, and in our hearts as we hear the word preached, that then the doctrinal truth of the word is instilled in our hearts. Thy words were found and I did eat them. They were the joy and rejoicing of my soul. Man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. These promises going right through the word of God. And we should plead them and look that under the Holy Spirit he might be led into the truth and away from error. How many fall into this error or that error because they are going to men and not studying the scriptures themselves. How many people just want a quick fix, a quick answer to their inquiries and inquisitive about this or that or the things of God? no. Search the scriptures yourself. Know them. Memorize them. And, and look to really know the word itself. Remember 
one of our question and answers on our, our website with Dr. Alan Cairns, one of the answers he gives to someone would say, how can I study the word of God? He said, it might seem a strange thing to you, but the first answer I'd give is to read it. There are many that want to know what the word of God says, but they don't want to read the word of God. They want a quick fix. They want to just read something quick, commentary or hear from man. But read the word of God. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Whenever there is a revival, in Ezra's day, they made a platform. They gathered all the people that were of understanding, that could understand. They opened the book in the presence of all the people. And all the people stood up and they read the word distinctly. They gave the sense and caused the people to understand the word. That is how it is in the gospel time. We have the promise of the Spirit to bless the word as it is read and as it is preached. But there's even more to the promise than that in it being fulfilled in an experiential way. That is, in experience. He will guide you into all truth. So when we read about what this world is, what it really is, the way the Spirit guides into that truth is to bring us into what Solomon realised. Solomon had all the riches he wanted, all the wives he wanted, or more than what he should have wanted. And, and yet he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. He could look upon all of those things that he'd made and see nothing satisfying in them. Now, it's a blessed thing if we are brought to view the world and view material things, and it is just vanity to us, because countless millions go from one thing to another thing and seeking to fill up everything in their lives of temporal things, but God is not in all their thoughts. And so when we are guided by the truth, uh, the Holy Spirit in this truth, to know the vanity of things below. The other way is when we are taught our own heart and taught it in a way like the Apostle had in Romans chapter 7, which I commend to you to read, especially the latter part of it, because Paul speaks of his own conversion, that he was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And he speaks of how sin then was flared up within him because of the commandment. We know what it is with a child. If a child is playing around, you say to them, you are not to touch those scissors or you are not to touch that. They immediately want to touch it. There is that that goes after that which is forbidden. And the Apostle Paul found that. He proved that in experience that his own heart was fallen, it was depraved, it was full of lust, it was full of evil concupiscence, evil sexual desire. And he realised that. He wanted to do good, but while he would do good, then evil was present with me. He says, if I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 
And he's learning this by experience. And if you and I are guided by the Spirit, we will know by experience the pride of our hearts. We will know our own ignorance. We will know that we can will to do good, but then we find we're still doing wrong and we're still doing sin. And Paul, he says this, that, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Guided by the Spirit, he has been brought to know the reality and the truth. Once he was the Pharisee, thank God I'm not like other men. Now he's like the publican, God be merciful to me a sinner. Who makes that difference? It's not just doctrines or things floating in the brain. It's one that actually knows it, has experienced it, has walked it out and feels it day by day. And, you know, if you go back to the account of Jacob with Laban, knowing Jacob is, is, is wanting some wages and, uh, and that, he, Laban, he says this, I've learned by experience that God has blessed me for thy sake. And I hope it is with us that part of how the Spirit has guided us and part of what we want the Spirit to guide us into all truth is in a way of experience. So we experience the truth. We experience conviction of sin. We experience the preciousness of Christ. We experience the love of God shed abroad in the heart. How? By the Holy Ghost. That we experience the power of God in quickening, changing the heart, renewing the will, turning our feet to Zion's hill, we actually experience that. We walk in it. And it is the Spirit that guides into these things and causes us to be what he'd have us to be. So in the fulfilment of that promise, Paul says, I am not uh, the... Uh, that he has changed, he's not what he once was. I think as John Newton says, I'm not now what I once was. He's not now what he will one day be. But the Lord has made a change. The Holy Spirit has led into the truth in such a way that is not just a, an intellectual knowledge. You can truly say, I've experienced the truth, I know the truth, and truth learnt that way is not easily lost because it is given by God. And it is this promise then that we have of the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. And I want to finish again with this exhortation to me and to you to ask for the Holy Spirit, to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, that we will be spiritually minded, that we will know the truth, not just in the letter, but in our hearts and in our lives. And then we shall know that this promise is fulfilled and fulfilled in us and that we know the truth. And the truth sets us free from every error and every evil and every wrong way and that we are set free from condemnation too. The Lord bless the word. Amen.